Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by. It is so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm joined by authority agency founder Oliver Duffy Lee, who marks the beginning of an exciting run of new episodes with guests. So thank you to everyone who persevered with my autonomous rants on creativity over the last few months while I had a busy period of my life and my professional life. It happens. I hope you liked that format, by the way. There are going to be more of these interspersing episodes with guests. But today, let's get into Ollie. Ollie is a man who helps agencies to win clients in their niche. He helps founders to grow the agency of their dreams. He's an exciting fellow to chat to, and we jump into marketing. Marketing in the broad scale for individuals, for agencies, creative and advertising and marketing agencies, and whatever else titles we give those banners. Um, But he's an awesome guy, and we're going to get into why the latest government advice on saving that marketing budget and putting it into point of sale to help people in the cost of living crisis simply doesn't work and is rather nonsensical like most of the things coming out of the government offices at this point in time. Um, It's a funny one, it's an insightful one, it's a really useful one. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Creative Condition podcast. My name is Ben Tallon. How have you been? How have you been holding up in this drastic, frankly worrying heat? I've not been holding up too good. I'm going to get into that in a minute. I've had a rough mental week and for anyone who's a long-term listener of the show, you'll know fine well that I don't hold back on that stuff. I think it's really important for those who are comfortable to do so, to talk publicly and privately and to air our heads and our busy minds in this increasingly frenetic world. And I'm going to do that shortly. But before I do, and before we get into the chat with Ollie, I'd just like to say a big thank you to continued sponsor Illustration X. They're a wonderful illustration, animation and art agency representing artists right across the planet. They just turned B Corp last week. So for anybody who doesn't know what that means... And I don't truly know what that means, but I know that it's a fantastic badge in the way of going green and, and, and you know vetting your business from top to bottom and, and making sure things are ethically sound on that level as good as they can be. Because, let's face it, it's impossible to be perfect because that's the world we're in. We just have to find the way to do the best with the means and the parameters that we have in our lives and our businesses. But Illustration X have always been very switched on to that. A, a part of 1% for the planet tree planting initiative i believe they've planted over 1.5 million trees to date and continue to do so helping contribute to um, biodiversity which is a a critical issue in our world right now Uh, and you know on a personal level they've just been a wonderful supporter of my own creativity of the arts and the creative industry in general not afraid to invest in making that a better place and i've been with that agency 13 years now and they've been founding sponsor of this show so i like to shout about them and i like to recommend them to other artists who are seeking representation and agencies who might want to commission illustrators because they're just a good bunch doing a lot of good work so go and check them out over at illustrationx.com and at we are illustrationx on socials 
So, let's get into the episode. Let's get into it. First, I mean, first of all, let's talk about mental health this week because. Apologies. Quick swing of coffee there. Um, it's been a tough week for anyone who cares and is knowledgeable on the state of play with the environment at the moment. I think it's been a very troubling week. I don't think it's getting any you know around that. It's not to say we can't sit out and enjoy the sunshine and it's doom and gloom, you know, because we want it to be. I think that the knowledge is becoming more and more apparent and it's becoming a broader, more urgent conversation that we cannot continue to live as a species in this capitalist system much longer and hope to have a future where there's a society and a livable planet. If that's dramatic, you know, that's what it is. That's the science. That's the best we have in our species of the understanding of what we've done to this planet. And the reaction that that kickstarts is one of, at least for me, utter despondency and depression and nihilism. But it's hard to be nihilistic when you have two two-year-old children who are going to start asking questions in the next few years. Very naive, young questions, but questions nonetheless. Why have we got to be indoors? What's that fire on the telly? It's frightening stuff, and it sent me under for a few days this week. Not in a, not in a sense that I'm clinically depressed or giving up on life or anything like that, but there are moments when it's just so overwhelming, the magnitude of the issue and the feeling of powerlessness, because we have been marched people call it a death march and if we keep going the way we are blinded by billionaire press and and horrible media who refuse to report on this stuff because of their own personal desire to be richer and wealthier and the rest of it more successful um then we're stuffed and the realization that that's what's happened that there's been that much deceit and hidden scientific information that could have enabled us to choose a different course decades ago decades before my lifetime and your lifetime and um, during others lifetime if you're a little older is overwhelming terrifying and i go through this process where it then becomes infuriating because i'm enraged and i and i want to i want to you know i feel i would never do it but i feel like grabbing the heads uh, these individuals, these Rupert Murdochs and the rest of it, and doing something horrible, physically violent. And it's grotesque that I'm driven to that level because I'm a very passive, um, benevolent, empathetic person who is not confrontational in the slightest. I've had one fight in my adult life and it was it shook me up for about six weeks because I didn't realise my own strength. I hurt a guy pretty bad because he came at me unprovoked, unannounced, as a 16-year-old kid. Um, I won't go into details. Essentially, I smacked the guy, he fell down, he banged his head. He was fine. He spent a night in the hospital, that was it. And then he kind of hovered around for the next few weeks around the place that I worked. So you can imagine, as a person who shies away from any confrontation, what that was like for me. Um but I feel like when we're caged this way and when we realise the level of oppression and the powerlessness that this throws upon us, 
you go to that place and it becomes easy to see why while the the end action can never be forgiven or condoned or justified why people go off these cliffs and go for guns and because fuck intelligence necessitates happiness and fulfillment and when a human is that unhappy and that endangered or listless they take drastic action and that's what it makes you feel like luckily for me I've got creativity as an outlet, so I write about this stuff and I document that feeling and I create characters that do take those actions because I want to present um, a fictional and sometimes semi-non-fictional account of the human condition and what our heads have to go through when when, when we realise that we've been lied to for decades and that the life that we wanted to live is suddenly on the table, on the line. Um, forgive me if this sounds desperate I'm fine, I'm lucky I've got a loving wife I've got two awesome kids I shed the occasional tear I get really angry and thankfully for me I've got creativity and that's where it manifests itself that's where it goes and thanks to a couple of really positive people on social media and from science and from art backgrounds people have gone whoa, 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 whoa like, come back, come back, come back, look at this we can do this, here's the science this is what we need to do. Here's who we need to convince and here's how it works in a way that doesn't just remove the life we've built. So we can keep business, so we can keep our relationships and our societies and our travel. But here's what we have to do and here are the fuckers that we have to convince. Um, so that's my part of this. And I do just want to put a little, little thank you out there to, first of all, Danny Molyneux from Studio Dotto. Dotto. Danny is going to be joining me on the show to talk about some of this stuff in uh, in a few episodes of time. So for those of you who don't know Danny, Danny is an awesome designer slash artist slash illustrator. Based in Manchester, we shared a studio for about a year, maybe longer, because we were on the same corridor before we ended up in the same actual room working together. Danny, to me, is a, she's an activist in her way. Some of her work promotes a, a brilliant message in a beautiful, effective, striking, visually communicative way. She's a, an awesome lass. She's a carer. She's a, she's like me. She's an emotional sponge. She gets down on this stuff. And I love that because us people come together and we help one another to feel like there is hope. Like we can do something with these skills of ours and this creativity that I'm constantly preaching. But Danny has been doing some brilliant work recently i've always liked her stuff but it's been on an upward trajectory in my opinion now for the last year or so and she's just hitting new strengths doing these public murals with a positive message much like micah pernell who if you are a regular listener to the show you might have heard micah's episode about ethical advertising going back a number and if you haven't please do go and listen to the episode if you search creative condition uh, micah pernell you'll find it if not drop me an email i'll hook you up with a link Big, large-scale, public, positive messages to counter the bullshit that we're, that we're confronted with, to buy, 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 feel down, down, down by the, the, the news business, the media business, and the people whose business it is to keep us miserable and disaffected and disparate and disconnected and divided. And it's, it's high time to fight. That's why I'm passionate coming to you today. I wrote my dissertation on graphic activism back in 2006 and I was lit up by Ken Garland and Jonathan Barnbrook and Vivian Westwood and people who gave a shit and were, you know, they were doing aggravated, powerful, um, considered work that spoke to a lot of people 
galvanised and encourage people. Um, and I want you guys to do the same because if you're not terrified about the climate emergency, you really should be. And please don't then go away and go on Twitter and read all the bad news headlines and get yourself as down as I got this week. Because that's what happens and that's the trap I fell into. And don't get me wrong, I start off by reading people who are coming from science backgrounds and educated backgrounds who are talking facts and trying to warn us. But what you do is just fall into this absolute toilet, this cesspool of comments and idiots arguing and wasting their time when what we need to do is distill that stuff and use our creativity and our visual communication skills to promote that information because we are the generation who has been lied to and had the facts hidden by the lights of fucking JP Morgan Chase you might have seen their windows get put through by Extinction Rebellion this week which I personally thought was awesome. If you disagree I can get that point of view because some people feel like their actions are counterproductive maybe there's an argument for that for sure but if you are prepared to lampoon and to attack extinction rebellion before the people that they're trying to make us aware that have just in acts of pure evil wrapped up and hidden information about the precipice that we're hurtling towards as the human race then i think you've got to weigh it up and, and reconsider these priorities and, and maybe start with those bastards and then talk to Extinction Rebellion. Because there are arguments against it. I'm aware of that. But what else is happening? Because the democratic approach isn't working. That's why I think there is such an important weight of responsibility on us creatives. To find our own individual methods that make us excited and passionate about the work we're creating. To go and use our skills, whether it's individually, like Danny Molyneux does. Or to collaborate with organisations like ER, or if you don't like their approach, Friends of the Earth, or um, CALM, mental health charities. You know, there are many layers to how we can do this because if we don't change the mood of our society, and particularly our creative industry, from despondency to riled and ready to take action and to create amazing visual communication to go on the marches and to go on the, the walls where we're being sold fucking products by Coca-Cola, biggest polluter on the planet, um, fossil fuel companies, cars. Those are the people who need to change their model and use their leverage and all the money that's pumped into them by these institutions and banks and propping up governments with media money like Rupert Murdoch. It's just, um, we have to change that. And our industry can do that because coming together, we have a massive outreach. I'm going to end the rant there, but I just want to say that there was a couple of instances, and Danny Molyneux was one, and it's why I want to thank her for lifting my spirits and reminding me of the power of the work that we do. It was on Danny's post on LinkedIn where there was a comment that, you know, talked about the actual scientific process and the, the new ways of energy that we need to push that can and are being developed. There is hope. That was what I took away from this and that's how I've come out the other side. A combination of glimmers of hope and visual communication and being reminded of the power of it. And... Uh, if you want a little boost, here's a strategy that I've been developing recently. So, A, stay away from Twitter's comment. Nonsense. Pick, pick your news channel. I got The Guardian. Uh, maybe it's slightly left if you want to look at it that way, but I think they report with integrity. They're a reader-funded platform. They're not answering to any corporations or funders. Nothing's truly censored. They're putting good journalism out there. They're supporting the right courses. They're shouting about the climate crisis. I dip in there two or three times a week and I read what I need to know to stay abreast of it. And then I get out 
because Twitter was dragging me under, as was Facebook and arguments on there and the rest of it. Go and spend a little bit of that time, even if it's just five minutes, on websites like Positive News. Positive News is fantastic. My wife, Laura, is a subscriber to the magazine, and um, and it really does lift the spirits. So here's a little example before I get on to today's guest. Um, I was researching a book cover illustration commission that was set in Los Angeles. One second, swing a coffee. Um, and as part of that research, I stumbled across the gravity of the homeless problem in Los Angeles. And when you look at the images of row upon row of homeless tents, it's distressing and worrying like a lot of other stuff that we're exposed to now. And that oversaturation can quickly kill your spirits. So put barriers, keep away from that stuff. Don't, no, don't keep away from it, but turn it on its head. So here's what I do when I see that stuff. I launch myself into positive news and I try and find an article around the same topic that's uplifted because the news and the media industry is a business and it's their business is the addiction of negative news. So while this stuff is real and distressing, they, the alarmist headlines are their bread and butter. So what I suggest is going to an organisation, a benevolent organisation like Positive News, and reading some positive news because it is out there and there is amazing work being done around the climate crisis and all the other things that get us down in the world so what happened was i went across from those uh, images of you know camps of homeless tents in in los angeles and i read an article on positive news that i stumbled across as part of the same search process which was about a new initiative funded by local businesses to build beautiful looking rows of temporary homeless housing so small wooden houses structurally sound fit one person if it's a temporary measure between being on the street getting them into housing in the shaves thought that was amazing they looked awesome because they're lovely color palettes they're they're designed to look good laid out you know in a way that one of us designers would do it and all of a sudden you go oh that's awesome that's innovative it's creative it's imaginative and it's a practical solution. And if people see not only what it does for those people's lives, but what it does on a visual level by helping to clean up the streets, not in a way that means that these poor people are being shooed on or arrested or any of that bullshit, but helped and given a roof and shelter and somewhere to be, you know, to have some alone time and some comfort and to think and get their head together and have a different kind of community. And I think that's beautiful. And there is a lot of positive news out there. So that is my tip. And I'm going to use that as part of the tip by Illustration X actually this week, because those guys are very positive and forward thinking and always have been as long as I've been represented by them and long before. Anyway, that's my rant over. My tip is use your skills, seek positive news to offset the bad news that we need to access to stay abreast and fight for the future of our species in a cool and fun manner, because it can be done. Anyway, thank you for listening to that run, and I apologise for the time it took me to get to today's guest. So, let's get on to Ollie Duffy Lee. So, Ollie contacted me a little while back um, on LinkedIn to connect, and I quickly started to see his newsletters, which are very cool. So, Ollie's background is with agencies, ad- and advertising and creative agencies. Um, he used to work in them. He clicked with the environment. Uh, he's a social talker of a guy, quite the extrovert, I believe, in a nice way. He's a lovely fellow, as I'm sure you'll find from my conversation. And I liked what he was about, but we didn't particularly have an angle at the time. And then he sent me a newsletter 
via his LinkedIn channel, which I do recommend subscribing to because it's full of good tips for us individual freelancers as well as small and medium and big agencies about winning new work, about striking up relationships and all those things. And um, and it's great. And there was a recent one about burnout, about how it's not down to the amount of hours worked physically, but more about the emotional stress that comes with working with the wrong clients, not having enough work and all that stuff that becomes stressful when you uh, work in the arts and the creative industries. So he's a cool guy and he's broadly knowledgeable and he just started his own podcast, The ODL Show, Oliver Duffy Lee Show, which again, I recommend every episode is under 10 minutes. Some of them are like three minutes long. Dip in, pick up a tip, get out. It's a really cool format. Maybe I should trim mine down on that basis. <laughs> but Ollie is a lovely fella and I like his stuff. So when the government announced the campaign urging brands to slash marketing to keep their costs down for customers during this cost of living crisis um he sent this brilliant but really informative and useful rant about why that is terrible advice that it's going to further damage the economy and it's just backwards because it doesn't work the price points you know pricing and marketing do not live in the same conversation within agencies so it's really uh, good insight to how he responds to that and what I didn't realise and what Ali let me know in this conversation is that there's a <laughs> the government have appointed a cost of living czar. Do you, do you know what czar is? I didn't. So it's spelt T-Z-A-R and czar was originally coined as a term of kind of an emperor or a, a king or a position of authority and it's something the government appoints on a specific issue. <sighs> Talk about the arrogance of authority. Um, it's not really the point, I just found it quite funny. And they appointed, um, oh, what's the guy's name? What's the guy's name? I've written it down. Um, David Buttress, he was the co-founder of Just Eat, of the Cost of Living Czar. So it's kind of beggar's belief that this advice is coming from a guy who founded Just Eat, who have just, as Ollie will uh, explain better than I do, pumped millions of pounds into the current advertising campaign, featuring Snoop Dogg and Katy Perry and all these other people. And it's hilarious it's twisted it's it's orwellian it's upside down it's everything that the government has come to be and all he's going to tell us about that but he's also going to give us some tips on you know marketing for us individuals and just basic advice that goes a long way that we don't often remember but we tend to know as common sense so he's going to refresh us of all that so i hope you enjoy that it's uh it's a really interesting one but he wasn't, you know, Ollie wasn't the only person to kind of leap on this. Is ridiculous. He was one of many people who were qualified to talk about marketing in this way and wanted to protect their industry because it's a part of our industry. A lot of our clients are in those sectors, in you know whether it's the advertising agencies or marketing agencies or a drop-down designer who commissions us or whatever it might be. Um, there were many others. So here's here's some others. I I pulled these from a marketing week article, basically with the same sentiment as what we're going to talk about today. And here's what it says: Indeed, an analysis of forty high-performing brands that mitigated inflation following recessions in the past reveals that consistent among them was investment in both trade promotions and sustaining their brand promise, according to FMCG analytics um, analytics firm IRI. 
As such, Cheryl Cavalli, CEO and former CMO of Eve Sleep, argues that moving money away from marketing would far from boost the UK economy. To suggest swinging investment naively away from a significant sector of the UK economy, the creative and marketing industries, is at best downright idiotic, and at worst, deeply damaging, she says. Agreeing that there is a fundamental flaw in the government's logic, James Hankins, Global Vice President of Marketing Strategy and Planning at B2B Financial Services, Brand Sage, says marketing is a proven growth lever. You want strong, powerful businesses and strong, powerful brands that support jobs, he adds. You don't want to weaken the balance sheet of those businesses by offering discounts willy-nilly. It doesn't work. And that's what we're going to get into today with Oliver Duffy Lee. So hit me up on the socials, at Ben Talon Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or just at Ben Talon on the same platforms. I'm on LinkedIn now, quite prominent all the time these days. It's a good platform. Um, give me a shout. I love chatting about all this stuff. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your own marketing techniques or little success stories. A couple of them crop up in my conversation with Ollie. But do go on out, Oliver Duffy Lee. Uh, he's at Oliver Duffy Lee on Instagram. Does some cool videos, sharing little tips on there. The OLD podcast. Um, and also, he said he told me he lives on LinkedIn, so go and check him out there as well. Want your feedback? Hit me up. Thank you again to supporting founder of the show, Illustration X. Let's get into today's chat nice one guys enjoy so i'm pretty pretty ordinary man nothing interesting uh i grew up in north london um nice part of town uh it was really really easy um i went to a nice school uh i had loads i was very very lucky man had a very very nice childhood um yeah it was nice to be honest i'm very very grateful Mm. And what about, so what about the route into where you are now? So I mean, well, first of all, tell us a little bit about authority and, and your work at, at the minute. Yeah. So, so basically I left uni and I left uni when, I don't know, um, I don't know what your views are on uni, but I left uni with a, a degree in history and Spanish and it was completely useless. Hmm. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing I could do with it. Um, but I got a job as a copywriter and, um, I don't think I was even that good. I could just write a lot of copy like quickly, yeah. you know? So for an agency that was quite useful. Um, and um, yeah, I got a job as a copywriter, but then quickly went into um, basically sales, like agency sales, like account management, account director and stuff like that. And that was just, I just loved it. That was just like my, it just became very easy to me. And I don't think everyone loves that in, um, in agency life. It doesn't come naturally to everyone, but I found it very easy. Mm. Um, and then from there, I just grew in with this agency for about eight years and then left, uh, set up my own agency with uh, my friend Ash. And we still run that called World Products and then set up Authority Agency, which basically it started as a, um, a coaching program. It still is for agencies to grow, but it now is like uh, we're also a legion agency for agencies as well. Hmm. Um, so we do all sorts of stuff because we, we started talking to agencies that were too busy probably or too big to get coached, I guess, is the truth. Yeah. So we just started doing it for them. We actually do the outreach, okay. we do the content, okay. we do all their marketing and things like that, yeah. um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what about you, man? Did you, did you find, how do you find these sort of sales and, and marketing side to creative businesses? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I don't... <laughs> I guess I speak on behalf of you know individuals who whether whether it's graphic design and that kind of thing. But I I kind of enjoy I kind of it's a love hate relationship I guess. It depends it depends on the mood I'm in on any given day. You know if I'm if I'm feeling on the kind of on the front foot 
I quite enjoy the checking in with everyone and, and just, you know, keeping those yeah. relationships going and, and, and just, I've always done it in quite an organic way. So I've always flitted between the kind of the mailing list approach and then the kind of keep the, the tighter database of people who I've got an existing relationship with and check in on a more organic level. I think it's, I think to choose one or the other, you kind of, I don't know, I mean, I'm getting interested in your thoughts on this, but I think you kind of, if you just go down the personal approach, we've only got so many hours in a week. And I think yeah, yeah, yeah. You, self, you almost self-sabotage. So it's about working out when those relationships get to a point where you can kind of move them over to the worth spending five minutes on, as opposed to a part of the mail shot. Would you, would you agree with that? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, a lot of people assume when you're talking about lead gen today, they're talking about basically cold outreach. And a lot of people try cold outreach for like two months or so, and they're like, it doesn't work. Mm. The thing is that is that cold outreach is like, it's not a good sales tool. It's good for like marketing. It's good for broadening your network and stuff, but it's not good for selling. So um, yeah, I think you need to bring people into your network. And then like you say, convince them that you're worth spending more than like 10 seconds on, right? You're worth jumping on a call with. Um, And that's through your content, right? That's through like the stuff you put out content like this could be could be helpful um anything you put out on linkedin or instagram or whatever channel you're using that's what that's for really or like you say your email your email list or your email content your email newsletter that's also useful as well mm-hmm. but i mean there's no shortage of creatives or creative agencies these days are there no of course so so i think it's such an easy quick win for creatives anyone that's putting content out there regularly you automatically separate yourself from the 90% that aren't. Yeah. Um, and if you're creative, then, you know, show people. I wish I was creative. If I was creative, my content might actually be, use- might actually be useful. <laughs> might, actually, <laughs> might actually be interesting. But I'm not. I just, I just like talking quite a lot. And, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, if, if there are, you know, if you've got creativity in you, use that because that's what the, most of the content LinkedIn needs these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see, I see a lot of people doing really well on there, and it's always been this kind of almost overlooked platform because it's seen as quite corporate and quite yeah. almost stunted. Which you, we know, as we know, it can be. You know, I saw, I saw somebody share this brilliant. She painted a poster, and it just said, um, "Was it middle-aged man on LinkedIn energy?" And I just thought it was brilliant, and, uh, <laughs> and it just made me laugh. But, I, but I've always found it quite a fruitful platform because you know. The, the the advantage that we have as independent creatives or even small agencies is that you've got a service and it's relatively easy to work out who can benefit from that service. So why yeah. not, you know, reach out and chat to them and, and try and try and... 100%. And like what other platform can you target people specifically based on their job title, their industry and, and you know, just them as a their professional profile? Like you can't. No. Um, so it's, it's great. It's, it's an amazing tool. It's loosened up quite a lot recently, I think, as well, since the pandemic. I think like it's got a bit more chilled out, a bit more creative. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Nice place. So I'm, I'm quite interested in your kind of your transition from being a part of an agency. Was so the skills that kind of that, that lead what you're doing now with authority was that was that something you just kind of picked up because you you're a social person that you you're observant. What was what was that kind of what was the step between the two? Uh, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know really. I, like co- coaching model um, as a business is a good one. It's scalable, right? So what I mean by that is you can take, if, if I had 10 more clients land tomorrow, um, it wouldn't change my life that much. Like it would just be more money. So it's a scalable, it's a scalable thing as opposed to agency, which is very unscalable. Um, 
not unscalable, but it's hard. Like you've got to invest people and things to grow, right? So yeah. coaching was always good. You've also um, like, you've got to not hate your sound of your own voice if you want to be a coach. And I always like talking quite a lot. So that was okay. Um, but I'll be honest, like I was very new to it. Like uh, two and a half years ago, I did some mentoring and some like non-exec thing for agencies. But I didn't really have much of a clue what I was doing when I started coaching. Not sure if I do still. Um, but it's going okay, and um, I quite enjoy it for now. I think it's quite fun. The main the main appeal for me is like the scalability of that business model. Hmm. Um, that's a huge, huge thing. And I, there's something that I see because obviously I run an agency, also coach agencies as well. Something I see is a really tough thing: is how to get that revenue, or actually, it's not even revenue. How do you get that salary you want yeah. without risking massive, massive overheads with a big team? It's hard. The answer, the answer is uh, coaching and consulting, actually. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of, I mean, give us a, give us a snapshot of the kind of, I mean, if you've got a few, like, few favourite stories of, of successes within, within the work that you do, I'm quite keen to hear, you know, any standouts. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we had a session today with one of our members. Who's, um, it's an awesome story because one of the things that we, we advocate a lot is that as an agency, you've got to specialize in an industry, right? So very, very hot on niching, right? Niching is very, very important. And um, one of our members, a lady called Elle, uh, she came to us, uh, she had an agency, she wanted to work with brands that do good, right? Mm. And um, wasn't going that well. And at the end of last year, she pivoted to basically focusing purely on events and festivals as an agency. And um, yeah, she's, she's grown her business. Sorry about the door slam. That's, uh, um, and um, she pivoted to that. And uh, in six months, she grew her business. I mean, she was doing less than 5,000 a month. And now she's doing well over 30,000 a month. Wow. And that's one, of my, that's one of my favorite stories because um, she's an amazing person, but also because it's about it, the main point of her success was focusing on one industry, one niche. Mm. Um, and I think there's so many people, including her at first, that are so scared of doing that. But that's so important, man. Like, it's such a crucial thing to do if you want to stand out today, because there's so many agencies. Mm. Um, and she, you know, we look to the market now, she's probably one of two, maybe three agencies that focus purely on festivals. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, such a cool thing. Such a cool story. And is that something, uh, I mean, in terms of when you sit down to talk about this stuff, is, this, is it something you look for within a personality, as in, like, try and find those activation points within, within a person? I'm terrible. I'm pretty, pretty bad at that side of coaching, I'd say. I'm really weak at that. Like, so, like, you know, like, finding people's intrinsic motivation and, and trying to get people motivated, I'm pretty bad at, to be honest. So it's fair to say I work better with people who are pretty driven anyway. Yeah. Um, but you get that, like, when you... When you do sales calls with people, like I'm sure you're the same, right? When you go to through a sales process with someone, you can tell on a personality level if they're a good character match for you, right? Like you can sort of instantly get that, I think. And probably people won't who need a lot of geeing up and motivation probably won't want to work with me because if I'm not giving much of like a nourishing, caring vibe, maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but that's that's the that's the vibe I get, because most of the people we have are pretty motivated. Mm -hmm. yeah what about you how do you select like how do you know if the client's gonna be a good fit well i mean i'm quite fortunate and i've got a very distinct style it's very it, it often gets likened to ralph steadman it's not i mean it's not that but it's got that energy it's organic and it's and it's 
you know, it's energetic, so it's quite a youthful market. So, and I tend to leave with my passions, you know, so I'm a big sports fan and that was my key into the industry was my knowledge of, and my love of football. So my first few clients were football and then people had the big issue. I was interested in the benevolent work they were doing and thought I could bring a certain energy to their brand. And it's about, you know, just vocalizing that. I sometimes think that there's a tendency for, I don't want to say creative folks. I think everyone to a degree is creative, but there's a lot of introverts in our industry. And I think that sometimes people are afraid to just ask or just say what they want to do for a person and why they think that's a good idea. And it's magic. You know, it's happened so many times for me. I've got dream clients just by, you know, there's an element of chance, but by presenting that and putting that down on the table. And actually I was reading a couple of your posts before we did this show today. And um, I was quite interested in the whole doing something, just going and doing something for Yeah. And I did that early on. I would, I would mock. That's up, amazing, man. I love that. I would mock up samples of. Um, so when Saturday comes, Football Magazine was my first client, and I would mock up whatever week's topic was and give it this almost satirical or you know flippant treatment in my style, and then just send it over and go, look, I've just been putting this together in the studio. Give me a shout if you know anything springs up. And I've never found a client who hasn't appreciated that extra little bit of time and that care to detail for what they're doing. 100%. I think, I think it's such a good thing. So few people do it. And the funny thing is, I'm so pleased you do do that, by the way, and that, and that like, you've done that since the start because it's, such a, it's just such the best way to prove how good you are, mm-hmm. you know? It's such a good way to prove how good you are. And what made you do it in the first place? What, as in sending the samples? Yeah. Just the, the, the knowing that it would stand out a little bit and knowing that that person would respect that I'd gone out of my way to do something only for them. You know, it was just that idea. Because yeah. I think there's a tendency to, to almost glamorize or put people on a pedestal, whether it's a big agency, a big client, a big individual, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and kind of go, oh, well, why would they want to work with me? I'm way down here. But every creative director of a, of a big company that I've worked with has just said, look, we, we get inundated by people. So you stood out because you were bullish and you did this stuff for us and you knew about the brand and you weren't afraid to say it. And it just, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to make, we've got to generate that work fast and furious. So when someone like yourself comes along, it makes our life a little bit easier. And I think we forget that we, we tend, there's almost a skewed relationship, certainly with individuals where it's someone is on a pedestal and it feels like it's this impossible situation. Whereas at the end of the day, if you don't go get stuck in, you're not going to find out. 100%. 100%. And, and so, and one of the big things that people will say, if you say, look, we, maybe you should do this. So that you get, you get a situation where people are not doing that much work. So they have lots of time. They've been trying lots of marketing tactics, but it's not worked that well. Then you say, well, why don't you try just making some stuff for someone, like finding a list of 10 clients. If you're a website designer, mock up a homepage for them or do a, an audit of their website. And they'll say, but where well, might steal our work. They might take the, the work and not call back. It's like, well, yeah, they might just don't do it then. But like, it's like, it's fine. Like if, you, if they give, they take it away and, and, and use it, then it means that it's been valuable anyway. And if you don't do it, nothing's going to happen anyway. So I don't know. I, I, I never, you probably understand better than me, but I think there is a, uh, a preciousness about people's creative work that they don't want to give it away unless they're being paid well for it. And I understand that, but when you're trying to scrap for business, you kind of need to put yourself out there a little bit you do and it's and i'm always a big believer i've written columns on the whole not working for free thing but like anything it's not black and white but the the you know there's a good example that i often tell and this isn't about me so i'll go through it quick but i essentially worked for a friend of mine who was an independent film director in manchester 
micro to zero budget production just you know to keep things moving hire the odd space okay. and i loved the idea of working in production design in film and tv so i said well you know i've never done this therefore the lack of budget actually becomes a safety net for me because if you're willing to have me nice. there yeah. just helping out it gives me the freedom to bring some creativity to that it's a nice way of doing it and i was helping him out i knew legitimately they had no budget and that landed me my dream client wwe they're wrestling in the, in the states because i created really? these yeah, I created these big paper sets using lining paper from B&Q. So like three quid rolls, knackered, not, not, not knackered, but real sort of toothy paper, which just my ink sat on it really well. Did these really kind of quick to produce, but quite cool and punky looking banners. Almost didn't put it in the portfolio because it was the first kind of thing that lived in a non-2D environment. So I was like, okay. ah, fuck it, go on, I'll, you know, put it in there. And um, then when I started talking again through LinkedIn to this creative director at WWE, he said, look, these banners, I love them. The only chance we get to shoot the wrestlers is kind of backstage at the TV taping events in arenas. So we're really limited. And it's why we use digital backgrounds. But I'm desperate to do some more organic stuff. Can you do that? Can you do 15 of them? Here's the budget. Can you roll them up and even annex them over to the States? And I almost fell off my chair. And it was like, it was a lovely example of kind of just going out, right. making something with passion and getting it in front of the right people. So in that instance, it wasn't directly for them, but I had it also at the same time being badgering him and just sending him little samples. Really? So, so, oh, so let me understand. So you, you were talking to him before you did that stuff? Yeah, we sort of had an existing dialogue. And it was just him stumbling on my website one day and seeing those banners and going, tell me about this because I've got an idea, you know? And it's just like, okay. That is such a great story, man. So what, and you were then WWE like proper, yeah? Like you were working directly with them. That's yeah, I've done, awesome. about, done about 40 projects with them now. It's been a while since because they they changed it all up. They dropped the magazine, all this various stuff. But it was great. And he was just one of the best creative directors and mentors <laughs> I've worked under, you know? And it's just, again, it's just that willingness to put yourself in front of someone. Yeah, man. Um, That's such a great story, man. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that one and, t- and retell it because if you don't mind, because I absolutely love that. That's just great, man. Of course, yeah. But you know, it's, it's, I know so many. I could go on all day about those where where similar things have happened, and you know, it's yeah. inspiring to me. And uh, you know, and I'm guess it's no different to a degree on an agency level. Definitely, of course, it's the same. It's the same, um, dude. I like. I'm I'm just in awe of that story. I think it's a great one. <laughs> what a great client, man! I'll send you the links afterwards to both projects. Yeah, please do. So you can see the please do, man. After, yeah. <laughs> well, let's awesome. talk about, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in your, because the first thing that triggered this idea, I know we mentioned doing a podcast in the past, and then it's one of those things where sometimes there's not quite an angle there, and then something pops up, and your newsletter yeah. popped in my inbox, and I, I enjoyed your rant about the kind of, the government uh, initiative to, I mean, you tell it, you are the one to tell it, let's talk about that. Well, that was hilarious. So I don't know if they've done this yet, but what sparked basically um, the cost of living czar, uh, apparently there's a cost of living czar, by the way, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the cost of living czar, um, who happens to be the co-founder of Just Eat, and that becomes relevant later on, um, has decided that it'd be a really good idea to solve his problem. I guess his, his remit is, can you bring the cost of living down? Hmm. Um, and uh, he decided that what he should tell marketing companies to do is to stop marketing so they can, and then take those marketing savings and put them into basically reducing the price of their products. Um, now, obviously at first I saw this and I was like, what on earth? Like trying to compute it. But before you try and compute it, you, you sort of start thinking, you get angry, right? Because like, 
my, my life is marketing, all my clients' life is marketing, and the government is telling the, is telling the businesses, my clients' clients, to stop doing the thing that they need to engage my clients. So anger was there. I thought, you know what, let's look into this because maybe there's something in it, right? Maybe. Well, there's not, as it turns out. <laughs> I looked into it, dude. There's not anything in it. There's no strategy there. Um, I mean, what did you make of it when you first saw it? Well, it's just, oh, it's pretty backwards, I think. I mean, I get, and we can probably go on to this, but I get, you know, I understand why people kind of have a panic during like recessions or, you know, whatever's going on and, and make that almost knee-jerk reaction to try and cut everything. But I've just always felt that investment and moving forward is certainly, I mean, even for me as an individual, to keep trusting that the methods you've always used in getting yourself out there will continue to do that. Um, and I understand cost of living and everything else, but I think, and I think you mentioned this in one, maybe that post, the fact that new opportunities come up, even if old ones ever win, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so, yeah, I it just, you know, yeah, that's why your news like made me laugh because I just thought, oh my God, this is <laughs> the latest in a long run of insane, almost, this almost. Is, like it's interesting. And now, you know, out, uh, messages. It's interesting because you're like, because a lot of the time the government making decisions and they're getting criticized for it in topics like they're getting slated for it in topics that I'm frankly not what I would call like knowledgeable or an expert in, right? And it was just interesting that the, the government decided to venture into one of the only topics that I could, alongside football, consider myself like an expert in, right? So it's like, this is really strange because I can clearly see that they're not. And like fundamentally, what, what the, the biggest problem I have with it is that it just, the advice is flawed because it doesn't, because the cost of marketing, you can't, you can't say we'll save money on marketing and put it into price lowering prices because the pricing and, and marketing have completely different functions, mm-hmm. right? Like marketing is to tell people, new people about your product and pricing is to influence them to buy at the very last point that they decided to buy something. So you're talking about stopping influencing this whole out world out there that, that need to know who you are and just focusing all on the people who, who already know you very, very well and are about to buy. And it just, it just showed there was a complete misunderstanding of, of what they were talking about, uh, which was very scary because what, other, what else are they talking about? That they were making decisions that they don't know about. And the, the, the bigger problem, which is probably more scary for us, is it showed again how misunderstood marketing is. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, I, I can't tell you, dude, how many times I've had to not argue, but like talk to accountants of my future clients about how they should view the investment into us it's like people come into our program they pay us and then they earn much more money through getting new clients right that's what we are we're an investment you have to see it like that well over and over again marketing gets confused as a cost and not as an investment and that's a problem that only people in the marketing industry can solve so it started off with anger it went to sort of some sort of like uh, level of like, I can't believe this is happening. And then it was a bit sort of more like a considered sadness, which is like, why as the marketing industry are we doing so badly at communicating what we do? Like we're terrible at it. Um, yeah, but, but just quickly, the guy at the cost of living czar, right? He is, uh, I forgot his name, but he's the co-founder of Just Eat. Now to be fair to him, I imagine he was already out of Just Eat by the time they started doing this, but I'm not sure if you've seen any of Just Eat's latest campaigns. Right. They have they have Katy Perry. They've got Snoop Dogg. I mean, they're chucking 
tens of millions of pounds into their advertising, their marketing. So clearly Just Eat understand. To be fair to him, he probably left before they started doing that, but it just, that, that was like the icing on the cake for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a funny one, man. It's bonkers, isn't it? And I think I think you're right about the there's all there's also there's two things there. There's there's the broader mis- misconceptions and misunderstandings of marketing beyond yeah. the government, I suppose, just in society. But uh, but also the age old misconception of creativity is a broader thing. And, and, and yeah. you know, look yeah. at all the books to arts degrees and literature and everything else recently. And I swing from going all conspiracy theory and thinking it's about they don't want independent thinkers. So then just coming back to the fact that they probably just have never got their head around like and it's not just this government. This is this is hundreds of years worth of people um confusing creativity and the arts as being this linear thing where people are just tossing it off or you know making yeah. pretty pictures whereas god i mean i've been writing the book to the same name in this podcast recently the creative condition so i've been researching far and wide reading ken robinson and all these people looking at the many many crossovers whether it's between business and tech and arts and independent you know creative thinking and moving on your feet and, and seeing opportunities and it just it's all this biosphere so to to look at anyone yeah. like marketing and go no don't do that and we're going to cut these arts costs because they're not we can't look on a spreadsheet and go all these people are in high paying jobs in two years. It's like, it's never ever worked like that. It never will do, but yeah, it's really important for, uh, I could go all day, but I think there are some misconceptions around these things. You're totally right. And I think like, and I don't want to like, I don't want to like start whipping out the the tiniest violin in the world, right? But being, being, not only is marketing really understood and, and and I completely include the creative sphere in this, in that phrase, right? In marketing, Mm -hmm. not only is it really misunderstood, but it's, it's brutal, man. Like it's the only industry where creatives have to put their heart and soul into something and, and put it out there to be criticized. I bet that, that's very hard as it is. It's the only industry that is massively, massively scrutinized for instant results. Um, and it's the only industry that really requires a lot more care to get those results, right? So it's a problem. The, pro- the issue with the problem is we have to solve it because we can't we can't expect someone else to start waving the flag for marketing right it has to be us and this is where it does come back to the agencies a little bit where the best way to solve it is to get really really good results for clients as much as possible and then to shout about those results as much as possible i think agencies on the whole i don't know if it's fair to say they don't get good enough results i think a lot of agencies do get great results the agencies are terrible at finding out what results they got for clients and they're even worse at telling people about what results, like to shouting about those results. The more we do that, the more uh, we can start to change this a little bit. Um, but it's brutal, man. It's brutal. Yeah. There was a good, you know, the, the sort of riffing on that misunderstanding. Were, I've got it written down here, but there was a really interesting way. I think you broke it down into just simple three key points of what marketing was. Um, and I think I've got it, it was with finding new customers, winning them over, keeping them. Yeah. I think that's great. You know, that's, it's sometimes these things we can overcomplicate what the function of the thing is. Yeah, hundred percent. Find, win, keep. I was dri- I was drilled that, into that a lot uh, at a very young age, probably before I really understood how simple and how how like neat it was. But yeah, we just need to find customers. We need to win them over, and we need to keep them. And this is a, a really interesting. This is a great way to illustrate how misguided that government guidance is, right? Mm-hmm. Because marketing, when you're cutting, is the find function. And maybe a bit of the keep but the pricing is a small bit of the win 
So you're yeah. taking all of your budget out of the find and placing it all into that tiny little win section. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't fit. Um, but that, that find, win, keep thing is actually quite good. A lot of freelancers um, I know or, or solopreneurs or small agencies, they struggle with repeat business. So they have a, a situation where they have a client um, or they win a client and they'll do one project and then they won't speak to the client again. And what they crave is monthly recurring revenue, right? Repeat business. Mm -hmm. If you look at that find, win, keep uh, dynamic and you think, where am I as a solopreneur, as an agency, where am I doing most? Am I doing more find, more win or more keep? If you're doing mostly win, you're helping your clients with win. So web developers, for example, you do great in the win area. What can you do to help sell some finding? um services or some keeping services because that will help you to find in the keep area are where you do monthly recurring when you can get repeat business mm -hmm. um, it's a good one to know yeah no it's fascinating stuff and uh, you know i mean it's i love hearing this stuff because i kind of i, I tend to know it on a very subconscious instinctive level yeah. and, and and do it but then when, it's, when, I, when i hear someone like yourself as a good speaker like articulating it well it's it's nice to hear it that way Thanks, man. That's, I mean, honestly, one of the things I have found about coaching is you don't really teach any, anyone anything. Uh, you just explain to things they already know uh, a bit clearer. Yeah. That's it. That's a good way of putting it, actually, yeah. Um, so just to touch on that then, you know, we, we might be looking at a recession. I mean, things aren't good. Yeah. So people are going to take that reaction because people do panic. Can you give us a few words on, on why that's the wrong approach and any, any, any sort of tips? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I entered work at about 2010, so I felt, I felt the sort of tail end of the, uh, the 2008 crash. Some of my friends really felt it. Um, I don't think it'll be anywhere near as bad as that, to be honest. I don't think. I'm not an economist. But the truth is that it will only be bad if people panic because it's happening. So if you want to know... How is this going to affect me? You've got to look at your clients' customers. That's the only thing that matters is how are your clients' customers going to, affect you, going to be affected. So for example, if you're a freelancer for accountants, the recession might be the best thing that ever happened to you because accountants are going to be really, really needed in a recession. Whereas if you're a, a freelancer for luxury businesses, you're probably going to have a bit of a struggle because it is likely that luxury, if the price of bread goes up, uh, then people are going to have less money for diamonds. I guess it's a really simple way of, of putting it. But that's actually going to happen. So like if the, if the price of everyday stuff goes up, um, and that is happening, I take my grandma shopping every so often, usually it's about 60 quid, and the other weekend it was like 80. So it is happening. Um, and so, yeah, you just got to look at your clients, your clients' customers and see how they'll be affected. But, I mean, the truth is don't panic and make sure if you have clients now, before you panic, make sure you've secured those clients you've got. Because the, the reason people at agencies struggle in a recession is not because they can't find new clients, it's because they lose their biggest current clients. Mm -hmm. um, so double down on those current clients you've got now. So, so important. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Are you, are you scared? Are you nervous? No, I'm, I'm fortunate in that. I've been, I've been doing this 13 years and my portfolio is very broad. Um, so it, it covers a lot of bases and, and my agency that represent me have offices all over the world. Amazing. So, you know, even during COVID, some things dropped away, other things came through. So motion graphics yeah. became, became more of a thing that hadn't been so prevalent in the past because it was the biggest year on record for home entertainment for obvious reasons. Yeah, exactly. So that, you know, that picked up where the other stuff went. So 
So no, not not really. I'm quite I'm quite lucky like that in that I do have the versatility. Yeah, it sounds within my portfolio, so I'm able to change it accordingly. Um, of course, you always worry a little bit because you think, you know, I'm going to get ambushed yeah. by something. But again, like you say, it's about I think it's about crystallizing what's already there and and Definitely. you know continuing to push forward too because. You know, much like yourself, I started freelancing back end of 2008 and full time. And really, wow. the environment I came into, and I wasn't so culturally, you know, I wasn't culturally aware. It didn't yeah. you know? That, that's what I knew. So, you know, I think I think it could be huge today for freelancers and small agencies. There are clients out. Everyone, everyone. It may happen in worse. Is everyone downgrades the level they've spend they have. So if an agency, if a client is spending 15 grand a month with an agency and your fees are five grand a month, all of a sudden you've got access to those clients up there that you never had access to before. Mm -hmm. So honestly, look at it positively. Like what is the opportunity? Don't be defensive at all. Be bold and just be excited and, and see the opportunity because there is it. There yeah. is the opportunity. Yeah, you're absolutely, I think that's a really great point. And it's, it is, it's, it's, just a, it's a shift in the... I don't know the structure, isn't it? It's a shift in the I don't know playing field, however you want to put it. It's just yeah, it's new opportunities, and some might go. So you, you yeah. that's where the adaptability comes in, I suppose. And you know, I, I talked to a, a guy on a illustrator called Tim Eastley, and he'd been he'd struggled a little bit because a lot of his work was retail front facing, you know, shop banners and the yeah, like. But COVID, bang, you know, that was a lot of his stuff taken out. So that you get instances like that. So that's a tough one, but I think it's about. Yeah recognizing that and then you know as he said to it he didn't realize until it happened you know yeah exactly exactly so you know so that's the thing so where can people get in touch with you and find and see your stuff and, and keep no, it's just just connect with me on linkedin um uh, i would send you some like fancy funnel and stuff out, but i don't have one ready so just uh, just connect with me on linkedin and um say hi and um, yeah, I'll have a chat. I spend most of my life on LinkedIn, so you'll, you'll definitely find me there. <laughs> and I would recommend it. I think your uh, I think your posts are great. I've started checking your podcast out as well. Thanks, man. How are you finding that? Um, well, I, I committed to one a day, and I think I'm about 85% hit rate so far. <laughs> um, but sometimes it feels like an absolute bore, and sometimes it feels like a therapy session for me. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I think it's good. It's a good way for people to get to know me a bit better and, and like the way I look at things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it's it's good. The, the audio format's good. I, I've always, I've ebbed and flowed with this show. I'm hitting a new, like a new appetite at the minute, which is great because yes. I'm, writing, I'm writing on the same topic. The book feeds the podcast, the podcast feeds the book. And it's really exciting again at the minute. So I've got about 12 episodes, in, including yourself, lined up on all kinds of topics. Great, man. So it's exciting, but then there's periods again where I just get bored of my own voice and think I need to step back a little bit now, <laughs> give people a chance to catch up. The, the on thing is, if you ever feel excited about doing something like that, just do it because you know it won't last forever. So like, yeah. if you ever actually feel inspired to do something, just can do it, man. Because yeah. otherwise it'll go and then you won't be. So. I think, again, I think you're right. I think that's fantastic. Uh, that's a really good way of putting it. It's the same thing, you know. You always get that guilt, like, oh, it wasn't in the schedule, or you know, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a diversion. But when you when it feels good like that, and you put it in the world, yeah, I think, I think the results come. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent, completely yeah. agree. This has well, been great, though. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. So, what would you be the czar of? Oh, governments, governments, governments. Uh, but what a great chat with Ollie Duffy Lee. Thank you very much for 
taking the time. That was a great guest to have to ease me back in to this long list of exciting guests that I've got lined up for you listeners. I hope you enjoyed this one. I'm sorry if I was a little bit wooden returning. It's been a while since I've done any interviews like that. It's all been quite autonomous, tucked in the corner of the bedroom with a sheet over my head before I got this nice audio recording booth that I now have in the corner of my new studio. So what a lovely privilege. Um, So thank you for listening. I hope you're all well. Please do take action on uh, the comments at the start of the show and stay positive. Remember, we're here in the here and now, and that's all we have. So no matter how bleak the future might feel, we've got to do everything we can to make it a bright one for all of us. And I think the best way for anyone who's likely to be listening to the show is through creativity and positive action. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, how you're feeling, what are your own coping mechanisms. Give me a shout if you want to be on the show. I'm always open to guest suggestions. Bring them on. I want to get stuck into loads of episodes. Um, If not yourself, do suggest somebody who you'd love to hear on the show and I will do my best to make it happen. Do go and check out the wonderful, fabulous supporters of the show, illustrationx.com. We are illustrationx on social media channels. Have a great week, guys. Thank you so much. Check out the podcast on at Ben Talon Pod or at Ben Talon on social media. Drop me a message, drop me an email. Hello at bentalon.com with your feedback or your thoughts. Big thanks to Dirty Freud for the music. Go and check him out. Wanna keep this moving. Wanna keep the 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 conversation going. So thank you. Stay positive. Have a great week. Thank mm-hmm. you.